Oof, back in the booth again. All right, are you ready? I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready, ready to rock and roll. It's time for the Art and Science Punks, the podcast where we talk about our lives as parents, partners, artists, coaches, and amateur scientists. As punks, we love to create, to explore, to fail, to learn, and to listen to loud music, and then to share it all with you. I'm one of your punks, Kate Stenzinger, and with me tonight and every night is my amazing punk partner. Hey, everybody. I'm Rob Stenzinger. Hey, baby. Hey, sweetie. How are you doing? Hanging in there today. Mm. We're doing, we're going. I'm glad to be on the podcast. I'm excited to kind of be back um, in the recording booth, if as it is. And um, I'm excited because we're going to talk about 3D printing tonight. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I kind of thought we'd end up recording about 3D, 3D printing many months <laughs> uh, sooner. I agree. It's been a bit of a journey for us, this 3D printer journey. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I uh, So, I mean, I feel like I've really super dropped the ball on the 3D printer situation, right? Because we, we did... Did it break? Uh, it kind of sort of arrived, arrived, arrived broken. So <laughs> if you <laughs> <laughs> combine arrive and broke... It's a roved. It's a yeah, but that, that word does isn't quite conveying the brokenness of it. Um, yeah, it's, it was just weird because I I just couldn't get it to succeed in printing a thing. Except sometimes one of the default things that came with it on its little SD card. Yeah, so let's back up and and share that we um, dove headfirst into three D printer world. Um, Gosh, in December, I want to say. Mm-hmm. It was a sol- solstice gift. It yeah. was a solstice thing. That's right. And we had done a lot of research. And, well, okay, maybe not so much we as you had done a ton of research. <laughs> um, but I benefited from your research. And we kind of agreed upon, a, I don't know, does it have a, a size, medium size? It's... um. It, I would say it's a small, medium-sized, you know, home three, you know, desk, desktop three D printer. Yeah. Um, about a hundred and fifty millimeter square cube capacity. That was the number I was. It's in one dimension. It has two hundred millimeters, but okay. Yeah. And we got that, and we got some filament for it, mm-hmm. and like you said, we had we could print the default printouts that kind of came with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with pretty good success. So yeah, 3D printers. What's what? Um, I, I would imagine a lot. Anyone who listens to art and science punks is pretty familiar, right? Oh. But um, you essentially have uh, oh a uh, it's it's like oh a wizard. I, I, and that's not it's a wizard and it's magic, and it involves yeah. It's a tiny little wizard that lives inside the printer. A well and coins and builds what you want. Gremlins, etc. Yeah. But you blindfold yourself, and then eventually, um, you get toys pop out of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. I'm glad we covered that. Yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> so, ah, oh gosh, it, what's killing me? It's the uh, the kind of machine it is. It's a it's a type of it's a mill. It's a it's that thing where you could have an object get moved um, on an x y coordinate, coordinate left and right and up and down z axis. And that's useful for all kinds of things. Some things will have cutting tools or lasers or whatever, but 3D printers end up putting these plastic extruders that melt um, a couple of different kinds of things that come in spools and create little lines that, sh- you know, make uh, that... that The turn- shape or design that you've 
fed to it. Yeah, and, and it goes layer by layer by layer, printing up this thing and building it up, um, you know, accretively. Anyway, um, a lot, anytime we put one of our models that we designed, right? Yeah. And into the system, it would just essentially spit out a little rat's nest of... Yeah, sometimes it would seem like it was going to start. Other times it wouldn't start on the base of it. It would like try to start in midair. That would always make me mad. I'm like, just go down to the base and then start and you'll have better luck, little printer, printer. So, yeah, it was weird because we felt like we, you know, we picked a good printer to start. Like, especially, I I don't want to overestimate, even though, yeah, I've done, I've dabbled for a number of years in, in this space and... um had experience. I've worked alongside people who are experts using 3D printers. Right. Um, you know, asking questions here and there, like I do, because I, I love to learn new things, and I also like to interview people to learn about what they're what they're doing. And it's kind of a anthropology UX habit thing, uh, and just a habit. So, um, it's a beautiful habit, by the way. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, sometimes, yeah, it's, it's uh, sometimes it feels helpful, but. Uh, Depends on who's getting interviewed. Uh, but and I had yeah. virtually no 3D printer experience except for when we would, you know, go buy them um, at different um, expos. Mm-hmm. And we would, you know, sometimes they would let you play with that, with the different settings and um, print something out or examine all the things that they had printed out. Um, and that was really my only experience until we have brought this one into our home mm-hmm. um, of 3D printing. And, um, yeah, that's uh, okay. And so I'd, I'd been next to it enough where I see like, oh, okay, I have an idea about what can go wrong and why. And things like, um, you know, when the print starts, you need to make sure that, you know, can that plastic on that first few layers do it? You know, can you get a nice adhesion to the bed of the printer? And if 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 it's like lifting up or if it's if it's you know like maybe it's like down flat and you know really t- connected to the surface in the middle but not the edges or one edge and not the other edge and all that kind of stuff and i've I, so i've seen how things can go wrong and ways to troubleshoot these different issues where the bed needs to be warm ideally the bed needs to have um ideally some layer of of um of masking tape mhm that tends to help uh, both with the initial adhesion and also with uh, removing the, the, the piece. Yeah. It seems to be a really good, um, just a really good practice to kind of keep putting that masking tape down. It saves your bed surface, I think, mm-hmm. also. Yeah, it does. It, and, and so we have a 3D printer that, that has a heated bed. Oh, yeah, we, we, got, we ended up getting the, um, the Ultimaker 2 from Monoprice. Yep, that's the one we picked. Um, it's a neat-looking little machine, and it, mm-hmm. it is. It's nice. It just sits on a cabinet. and um, It's enclosed? Yep, it's a fully enclosed, which I, that was something I really wanted when we were looking at them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have, um, you know, a podcast cat, so we have cats, and that is, you know, I, a toy that just to me, an open one, would have been recipe for disaster is the cat up there trying to punch at it and get in fur and whatnot. Oh, my gosh. There. So. Yeah, I don't even want to imagine that that, <laughs> that wouldn't have that would have ended up in all kinds of you know either from mildly annoying to trip to the animal hospital. So exactly. Yeah, so it was a good call. That was actually Kate's. That was your call to get the enclosed one. Yeah. I was like, hey, let's get the cheapest one. But 
you um, recommended the upgrade. So that helps for, for a lot of reasons. Yep. It, it keeps a more consistent temperature inside. Uh, having a, a an access door on the top and not on the front is plenty of accessibility to get to the printer, you know, yep. even though there's walls around your, you know, workspace. Um, but, and, and this, our story ends up being pretty good. So this isn't just like a long, um, no, very happy with the printer. Very, very happy. It took us a while to figure it out, um, and to get things to print correctly for us. Mm -hmm. Um, but very happy with what we're able to do now and not just you and I, but also the kids. I mean, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, our kids are six and 10 and they're very interested in some of this type of thing. Mm. Um, and so to watch them sit down with a program like Tinkercad, and yeah, a lot of times they're pulling up stuff that's kind of pre-made or pre-baked, but then they tweak it and they make it their own. And then to see them, you know, have success being able to print that out is just fantastic, as opposed to kind of where we were a few months back where um, we couldn't even try to print some of this stuff out because we kept running into different errors. It's... Uh... Yeah, it was it was it was so um, disorienting, honestly. Like like um, yeah, you know, we like, mentioned the whole rat's nest thing, and I felt like oh, we have a good set of startup procedures. We do the we warm up the because we I also yeah. learned how to unclog the the print nozzle. The too, nozzle, that's right. That happened a couple times. Where that's not the worst procedure, but it's a little bit daunting if you're if you're someone who doesn't every single day just take stuff apart and put it back together in your house and. You know, I I do enough, but I still was tentative about it. So you you know you need to heat that nozzle really far, and then you um, well and and take it out of the print head that moves it around, and then shove a um, a hex key through it, <laughs> which which gets the plastic unlodged. And you know you do that a couple times. And it's like okay, I get the basics of what's going on here and the physics and the whole heat dangers using a, a nice pliers to hold on to the you know the right things and all that. Oh, absolutely. But um, then it, that's what helped us figure out, okay, for us, our startup procedures need to be um, heat the print head, heat the, heat the bed, um, yep. um, then uh, spool out a little bit of plastic to just to make sure it's all working. Yep. And if you do that, you're, you're really set up well for success. So heat the bed, yep. heat the print head, yep. and then extrude just a, a little bit of exactly. filament. And that was, um, well, now which of those steps were we not doing originally? Um, honestly, none of them. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Day well, one. I thought we were heating, heating the bed maybe, but nope. no. Okay. And, and even then, uh, it was, it, yeah, so they would happen over time. So first we started with none, then we started with heating the print head, and then we started with heating and extruding. Right. Okay. And then it was, and, and actually get the bed heated too. Gotcha. So okay. Preheat. All the things. Preheat that extruding. oven. Exactly. Who? Yeah, should have known this. So much better. <laughs> so okay, that that helped a lot. But then the big befuddling thing was, I was initially using. Um, so they include software to do the slicing, which is a step you need to do to get something to be ready to print. To like for our printer and its firmware, you slice things to G code. It starts out as a three D model of a variety of formats like STL or OBJ or what have you. Yeah. You load it into a slicer app. That essentially says this 
object now becomes instructions for printing, turns it into the layers and all the paths that, that the pl- plastic needs to get extruded to, right? And then from the, uh, the output of that is a G-code file, and you can just load that on the SD card, or theoretically you can use this other, other thing that can create like a remote inner uh, way to control your 3D printer, which is called OctoPrint, mm-hmm. which uh, we've had some success with. Um, OctoPrint. Yeah, I would say parts of it works really well and parts mm-hmm. of it didn't, haven't worked really well for me. Um, OctoPrint allowed us to kind of watch it mm-hmm. remotely be printed. That was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. That was nice, especially when it's like, oh, okay, uh-oh, it's spitting out a rat's nest yeah, again. Yeah, somebody hurry quick, up and go turn that off. Yeah, and um, the the one thing Octoprint helped a ton with, I think maybe someday Octoprint will be will be there, or I can learn more about it to get it to work well. Um, because right now it, it's like, if you want to print something off your machine and to upload it to Octoprint, it takes forever for it to essentially get loaded. Yeah, it does. It takes a really long time right now. And for some reason, when Octoprint is running the print job, it prints slower. Um, and if, if the other thing is, if you started a print job from the SD card and then you go into Octoprint in your web browser, it. because essentially it's you you run this um, Octoprint is a um, uh, one way to do it. It's it's essentially a um, it's an operating system image for the Raspberry Pi, and you can connect a camera to it, and you connect it to through USB to your printer. And so if your Raspberry Pi is on the network, then you go to your web browser, then you go to octoprint.local, and all of a sudden, oh no, wait, oct, octo, octopi, octo, mm, what do you do? Let's see, hold on, I'm saying the wrong URL, I think. Uh, it's octopi, octopi.local. Nice. <laughs> so, the plural of octopus. Uh, yeah. So they're, they're punning all over the place, <laughs> which is fine. But they... Um, you, you go there and all of a sudden you have this visual interface in your web browser. Instead of using the, like for our printer, it has a small dial and a, um, an LED screen that selects text yep. to do what you want to do. So it's more visual, which is nice, but it also has its other quirks. But its golden feature for me yeah. was learning more about the G-code to figure out like, why do these... So the G-code, it's text, Right, it's a list of instructions. And, yeah. Um, let's see. What what are we running? I, I'm trying to remember. We're running like Marlin two firmware or something like that. <laughs> and so you for G code is fairly universal across printers, but not all printers support all features. And G code isn't as convenient as like a general purpose coding language because it's literally almost all instructions are the letter G and a number. <laughs> or the letter M and a number. Oh, that's right. And even though that means way more, but but it's so reduced, it, it's not easy and fun to learn like a programming language typically uh, can be. But um, but it's doable, and it it allows for comments. So what I did is I would I would look up every bit of code that worked on a successful model, and then comment add the comments to what it was actually doing. Exactly. And then what uh, Octopi, Octoprint lets you do is you can feed one line of G-code at a time to your printer and see what the heck it does. So it's a, Oh, yeah. That's really interesting. And what a cool way to troubleshoot. I mean, what a, what a monotonous, don't get me wrong, but what a, <laughs> what a cool way to be able to, to troubleshoot. Like where do the wheels come off the wagon on this particular print? 
you know, is it on code line number one or is it on code line number 78? Right. Good times for you. Nah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it, it was, had some, yeah, it was mixed bag. <laughs> but um, yeah, anyway, so I did that uh, research and, and I was able to get the Mac version of Cura, the slicer, right? So you do the modeling and something and then you do the slicing and then you can bring it to the printer, you know, as G code. Uh, Matt, the Mac version of Cura wasn't putting the right sort of starter G code and, and job finish G code into the um, projects it would export, right? And so I was able to figure that out. But that was a big challenge. Kind of, I mean, yeah, I guess. Because we were using the Mac version of Cura, which is what the um, Ultimate, Ultimaker 2 from Monoprice, that was what they were recommending we mm -hmm. use as a slicer you know, looking at their um, documentation and it just wasn't working. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and that was very frustrating. And so I think it was interesting how, you know, we, I think we both, I mean, I know I had made a couple of, um, I'd made a couple of templates, 3d prints mm -hmm. in Tinkercad and then sliced them in Cura myself um, to try and see if I could, you know, not nearly as methodically as you had, but I tried at least to try and see, you know, for me, it looked like the X axis was always set wrong. Mm. And then I would have to go like negative X axis, hmm. which didn't make any sense. But, you know, when I would try to print, this is what would happen. And so, you know, I, I needed it to start down on the printer bed better mm -hmm. you know it was, it was trying to start it in midair as i had mentioned earlier and so i kept trying to fiddle with that and trying to figure out that and it just couldn't get it to work and it was very frustrating yeah i mean totally because and i think where we ended up because i thought that might be the thing too and what happens is when you go to slice it it typically just puts the model on the bed right, right. and so you you know you, you feel like puzzled and, and like it's 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 um it's like someone's purposefully messing with you yeah yeah you're like why wouldn't this work and you, it feels you feel kind of silly but um you know found a way so one of our machines ended up getting configured to successfully print eventually and then uh because i've been working more in windows mm -hmm. lately i decided to try the software that was included which is just, there's a couple things. There's one that I didn't, I haven't really played with much, but it's called like Wii, Wii. It's spelled like Wii, like the Nintendo Wii. Oh, wow. Wii print or something like that. And then there's another one, just Cura, but it's for Windows. That's C-U-R-A. And it looks very different, like not the same program, but, you know, same logos and stuff, but the UI experience is quite a bit different. And it... Uh, just to have a sort of a, a an initial test, I didn't import my my uh, G code from from the Mac. Oh, interesting. Start and end, and it worked right out of the gate. <laughs> That's uh, it's so crazy because um, I will just share. We've been printing all sorts of stuff since we got this to work. Like it's just mm -hmm. it's real slick. It's it's so nice to have it up and working. So I don't know. I, I don't know about you, but I feel silly for kind of what it took to oh yeah to like get that going so because i've worked in um like well product design and development teams large organizations there's people who are like super skillful wizards at all kinds of 3d printing and i'd be I, you know, i'd be able to tour their lab or sometimes 
you know, help help out, um, collaborate on projects and stuff like that. But I'd see these these folks, you know, do their thing. And and I've worked on teams where we've had our own 3D printer in-house, but I was never the person who do, did that as their main thing. Main thing. But I would learn and watch and see what went right and wrong. And I thought, oh, yeah, this is going to be awesome. We're finally ready. And, uh, yeah, I was not successful for a long time. So that, not I don't know, but sucked. But now, you know, looking back, looking forward, now I feel like you have been able to help me and the kids ex- understand what we're building so much better. Well, cool. I um, I don't know. Maybe you would have done that anyway. But I feel like having kind of gone through this, it's it's helped deepen our knowledge. I guess what I feel is is useful as a modeling exercise is that you can hit a mystery and through um, thoughtful troubleshooting, try to narrow down a, a confusing, cloudy problem into something more specific and then keep pursuing to get it fully you know, cleared, cleared up. Absolutely. And, uh, and you know, it just kind of goes right along with art and science punks. Like we failed, we failed a number of times and we (laughs) had lots of, um, hair pulling out moments and, um, and I guess we're here to share the failure with you, but also the success. Yeah. Um, I'll get some, um, photos of the stuff that we, things that we have 3d printed and, um, yeah, and now it's I'm starting to remember all kinds of things. I'm like, oh yeah, I wanted to. <laughs> so I have this backlog of stuff I want to get to now too. So that that would be fun to, yeah. I'll yeah, I'll try to fun. document it as I as I go. Little things like you know, uh, stand for my phone and watch. You know, um, people, organize my bedside. Yeah, very cool. People have been making things too, um, 3D printed things to go inside of masks. Oh. Um, that just kind of help give it some shape and some form, kind of like the same thing as the metal wire, but 3D printing some different things and hmm. um, for masks that you can kind of thread those into. And yeah, I've seen a couple cool um, things like that out and about. Ooh, if there's something that helps with uh, preventing glasses, that's a lot of from what they fogging. Talk about. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm there. Do this and prevents your glasses from fogging up when you're wearing a mask. So yeah, sweet. Okay. And then, of course, there's lots of toys that we need to get printed out. Little figurines, people's initials, letters. Um, <laughs> we're, we've got a lot of that going on right now. Yeah. The, the excitement uh, waned for a while because everyone, you know, it's like, wait, we have a 3D printer. This is awesome. And it's like, well, we can only print what came with it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it became, the excitement, uh, the, you know, lessened, but it's coming back. It so. is. Yeah. And they, they've been really creative with getting into, um, and again, Tinkercad is one. It's interesting because that's one that our 10-year-old, they use at school. And mm-hmm. so it's been really good for her, um, for her to be able to use that at home and, and play around with it a little bit more. Yeah, I'm Yeah, I'm hoping to learn about the different options that are available for, for hobbyist stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've been playing around with demos and stuff, but I don't have any, any real great insights. Tinkercad has been solid enough for now, but... Um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, awesome. Well, that's kind of our update on 3D printing, and I hope um, if others out there are doing 3D printing, feel free to share some of your thoughts and ideas with us. We would love to hear it. Totally. Should we jump into some picks? Okay, let's do picks. All right. So what are you excited about, and what am I excited <laughs> about? So like last time, you know, we, we tend to switch back and forth yeah. uh, between art and science. Uh, what do you? I have art tonight. 
Okay, cool. And I'm stretching my art pick a little bit. All right. How you? What, what do you mean? Um, my art pick t- tonight is a recipe. Actually, it's a couple of recipes. Because mm. <laughs> um, it's something that we've been doing recently that's been, I think, a lot of fun. Is I don't know why. It was one weekend, probably a month ago. I just got a burr in my bonnet that I wanted to make donuts. And so we um, we made raised glazed donuts. Mm. Yep. Um, and so made all the dough and that has to refrigerate overnight. And then the next day, rolled them all out. Um, didn't have a donut hole cutter. So I used a jar lid and a little, I can't remember what I used for the donut hole. What was the center? I, I did have, have a, a little round. Um, you have like sandwich. Uh, yeah. Forms. Or yeah. Sandwich cutouts for like, you know, a flower and a circle and a star. Like for, you can make toothpick size sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah. So we use the circle from that and then the lid of a jar for the bigger part of the donut. And then we fried them. You fried them. You were mm-hmm. you were king fryer. So fried them in oil <laughs> and they were phenomenal. And dipped them in this really good frosting. I'm hungry now. And um, we did all that and they were super good. But the house smelled like oil. I mean, we just used oil in a pan. Didn't use like a deep fryer or anything. Mm-hmm. But the house smelled like oil for a good day. It does. It's yeah. It really does hang around. Yeah. That and I mean, it's. I mean, it's pleasant enough, but it gets tiring for me. Yeah. I don't know. Same. But yeah. Same. So I got it uh, again a couple of weeks go by, and I'm like, I saw online um, donut pans for baking in your oven, which have the hole cut out, and I was like, ha ha. So I looked up a bunch of donut recipes and found one that um, I will share. Hmm. Um, I'll probably share a couple, but this was apple pie baked donuts. <laughs> and so they came, you put, um, you made a little like apple pie filling with some cinnamon and um, brown sugar and diced up apples. You cook that up real good. Like it, so it's all yummy and, um, like an apple pie filling. And then that got mixed into the batter and then these donuts were baked and then you dipped them in, um, sugar and cinnamon. And actually we did some of ours in sugar and cinnamon and some of ours in powdered sugar just cause we like the powdered sugar. Donuts. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, donuts, homemade donuts. That's my pick. It's, I'm, yeah, it's, it's not like a failed 3D print. That like I, both of those projects, first time through, I think were fantastic. And it's like, I imagine there could be ways to, to refine each, but um, like, the, like the, the fried donuts were delicious. They were so good. And they kept really well, too. We ate those for like three, four days. They were they were kind of uh, I don't know what's the negative I mean I guess they were heavyish right they were like I don't know there was no negative there no was no negative. downside <laughs> the uh, the house smelled like oil that was it okay yeah okay that's fair and uh, it's funny because I have friends that because um, we've been talking about this now at work um, and so I have work colleagues who they do um, outdoor outdoor. Um, Deep frying. I guess you give something that you can like connect up. I don't know if you connect it to your grill, but it runs on a propane tank like your grill does. Oh, funny. Okay. And that way you don't have the fry smell inside. And I guess, I don't know, maybe same thing that you use to do turkeys. I don't know. I guess. I'm thinking of the people who do turkey cannons by accident and stuff. Yeah, no, it, it didn't sound like that. But anyway, it was like a special kind of fryer that <clears throat> you can do outside. And I kind of yeah. laughed to myself thinking, would that be really weird if I had that just for making donuts? Why not? Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. 
This sounds like a good so plan. it's sort of artsy, I guess. It's just it's what struck me tonight, and so I went with it. <laughs> Food arts, Food sounds arts. awesome. And yeah, it's you can't go wrong. I, those were great. Um, okay, so let's see. How do I um, ready for my I'm science pick? Totally ready for your science pick. Um, so let's see. There was a um, what was it? It was a couple few weeks back. Time fi- time flies and, and is kind of funny in the whole. Um, sheltering at home pandemic situation. But uh, a few weeks ago in time, in the time fog, um, uh, there was uh, so someone I follow who I respect. And I've read uh, uh, some of her books and papers and works and stuff like that. Jane McGonigal puts out this call for uh, participating in a research uh, session, right? And it has to do with uh, writing about um, potential futures and imagining the future, and uh, how that how that act is something that the research seems to point to it leads to positive things for most people, right? I mean, there's a and so I have an article about this that summarizes the the like this whole um, this effort and approach and stuff. So that the the article is called "To Spark Hope for the Future: Ask These Three Questions." Oh, what a great topic for this time in our society. Mm. And yeah, and there's a, uh, I mean, a lot of, it reminds me of, of things I've practiced before, but more formalizing, right? And in, in a really, in a helpful way. And so instead of thinking about like, well, it's a creative exercise and to get you unstuck, go through this uh, design fiction thing, right? Nice. So do some improv and get some ideas out. And I've found that that's a pretty useful thing, but this is way more formalized and I think specific in its intended benefits and um and i thought it was it was neat to be a participant in in um, that research session as well because it was uh, essentially you'd get prompted and then start to try to write specifically about imagining yourself in this in this future and um it's a lot like these this you know, these prompts and so the three questions that the article mentions are um and this is just one scenario you could apply this to other things in potential futures right her or the organization that this is part of is the the Institute for the Future, <laughs> so it's kind of their focus. But um, question one: What's one thing you're looking forward to doing in the future that isn't possible or advisable today due to the current pandemic? That's a great question. Number two: Why are you looking forward to it? And number three: It goes into a lot more depth. It's not just like one question, but now that you're picturing yourself doing this activity again, um, think about it really vividly and get very specific about anything from who you're with and what you're seeing and smelling and, and uh, you know, you're nearby, right? Really get specific is, I think, the idea of the third. That's prompt. really cool. You know, I'd heard early on in the pandemic, um, some a, a, a writer that I greatly respect um, had a similar, just that third question, didn't have the first two, but was really about spend some time writing about how you want to emerge from the pandemic. What do you think life will be like as you, as we, as we exit this, you know, pandemic. So that's kind of cool. It's a similar type. It's, I mean, I think a lot of the intent of asking those things is it's about um, being positive about what's to come. And in, let's see, 
and there's and there's more to it. Like this is what what I really enjoy. This is something I've enjoyed about um, like one of Jane's works that I've uh, found immense benefit to and have studied a, a bit is um, is her book Reality Is Broken, how uh, games can help change the world. I the subtitle is not fully coming to me, but that's the the gist of it. That's the gist. You'd find the book just based on that. Um, and the and it's like taking a like a really a formalized um, like anthropological, psychological view and uh, trying to imbue like an approachable activity with extra um, extra benefit, right? And so that that's that's in a way what this is too to me. So yeah, it's um, so yeah, I'll put the link to this article in the show notes, and you can see how that um, that that the our article shares things that it's not a well met thing for everybody, right? Because you could be in a situation or an emotional state or what have you where imagining the future makes you more anxious. Sure. So you want to be in a place where this is you know a good fit, but then if it is a good fit, it, it's a, you know it's kind of like the difference between like we've talked about coaching versus therapy. Right. So if, Absolutely. You're, if you're in a situation to do that kind of building and work and stuff, then then that's a then jump tool. in and, and go for it. Yeah, this is yeah. a great tool. I love I love these questions and I think they have some um, relevance, especially for me right now. Mm. Well, that's a good transition. Um, that was my pick. It's so, a really good pick. I'll yep. have to go through that article with a little bit more detail. Mm. So. Uh, what other news do we have? Welcome to the Art and Science Punks podcast, where we talk about Kate and how she's falling apart. <laughs> no, um, that's not it. Um, we've talked before on the podcast. I know one of the podcast episodes we had was called The Heart Episode, and I talked mm-hmm. at length about um, having AFib and, and going through that um process and having cardiac ablation completed mm-hmm. um, in February of 2020. Well, um, August of 2020 has brought about some more challenges for me um, that I'm here to fight. I'm, I'm ready. I'm gearing up. And I think that that Jane McGonigal article will be really good for me to think about what life is going to be like um, when I'm cancer free. Mm-hmm. and to, to really take some time and, and deeply visualize that. But um, right now, as I sit here, I do have an aggressive form of breast cancer um, that um, I started chemotherapy for, and I will have five months of chemotherapy um, followed by mastectomy and re- reconstruction. So a little bit of a journey going on here and amongst everything else that's happening. Um, we caught it super early, and that's a great thing. Um, they're considering it... Even though the type of cancer is aggressively growing, they do consider it uh, mostly a stage one at this point cancer. Um, There's some gray area because of how aggressive the cancer is and some additional testing that they want to do next week Mm -hmm. just to make sure. But uh, right now they're telling me stage one and everyone agrees that it was caught super early. It's very small um, cancer, but they are um, treating it aggressively. So that's a little different for me. I don't feel quite myself right now. I feel different. Mm. It's yeah, it's that's no that's nothing to to sneeze at. That's a really hard battle that you have begun. And uh and yeah, you're recording this a couple of days after your yeah, first round of chemo. That's right. A yep. couple of days after our first round of chemo and and I'm like I said at the top of the hour, I'm just super happy to be back. Um 
in the recording booth and, and talking about art and science. And yeah, that's uh, so we'll see what kind of adventures, uh, you know, lie ahead. Yeah, we, you know, and obviously we're all here like this community. I I hope you're here too to cheer Kate on as as she takes this on and kicks its ass. And uh, to use violent metaphors that that's just the best thing I have at at easily at hand. Um, But yeah, this is. It's a big event. It's a big event. And here we are. And here we are. And, um, you know, we're sheltering in place and our kids are going to be doing online school for the year. So we're all going to be here mm-hmm. um, kind of fighting together and getting through this um, and having a lot of joy and laughter along the way as well. Um, thank you all for listening and letting me kind of share um, what's going on with me. Uh, it's just, Im- I don't know. I don't know why it feels important to me to share that. It is important, and it's. I mean, I think it's fitting with the with the nature of our uh, podcast, and it's being. You know, it's sharing another big event with the audience, and you've you've had some battles this year, and and I think it's it is okay to make that uh, focal concern. <laughs> you know, uh, we'll see. You know how that re recurs. It's not like it's now that every episode's the cancer show, but. I don't think that it would be inappropriate either to yeah to follow along. Yeah, we will. I will hope to give some um, brief updates on this channel um, as we go forward, mm-hmm. and you know we may have a little bit of an altered schedule as we figure out how this all impacts me. Um, but we still do hope to have one to two episodes out a month is kind of our goal. Right on. Let's do this. All right. So that uh, I really appreciate you sharing that, Kate, and uh, those of you who want to follow along. You can search for Kate's name on um, Caring Bridge. Caring Bridge. Yep, I do have a Caring Bridge um, site. Yep, feel free, Kate Shields Stenzinger. You type that in, you'll find me, and you can follow along with what I'm doing, how I'm feeling, and um, it's been kind of a fun place for me to just really speak my truth and not um, not filter. So hmm. just know that as well. Hmm. Yeah. Right on. It's. Uh, it's. Yep. Uh, journaling bravely is a pretty beautiful thing. So it's been cool to see you sharing what, what you've got out there. I I think that does that, that wrap wraps us up. Us up. It sure does. <laughs> All right. That is what we have for today. Well, I thank you, Kate, for sharing that. And thank you all for listening and for being part of our art and science punks community. And, also, there are more ways to connect with Kate and I. You can find our workshops and coaching information at a couple places, mycoachkate.com for Kate, or you can just go to robstenzinger.com for me and my coaching and other products that I share. And Art and Science Punks can be found on both Twitter and Instagram, and I can be found on Instagram and Twitter as Kate Stenzinger. I can be found all kinds of places as Rob Stenzinger. We make it easy. We don't hide. <laughs> Not too much. I hide a little bit. Do you hide a little bit? Okay. Emotional armor. <laughs> Keep building, making, and sharing. I've earned a nap. You've earned a nap. I know you pulled up Tinkercad. I thought, are you going to make something right now? But No, I had these from last night when I was putting the notes together. I had Tinkercad and, mm. and Kura. I fell asleep. It's good. Good to yeah. get some more sleep. More sleep. Sleeping helps healing. Sleeping helps healing. I'm going to have that tattooed on my finger.
Okay. <laughs>